Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good. Real quickly, I want everybody to turn in their Bible to James chapter 4. And we're going to have our uh, opening devotion tonight. Then we'll break off into our classes. I'm going to try to be as expedient as possible. Let's pray real quick before we get into it. Father, I just love you and I worship you, God. Um, I'm praying that tonight you would help us see ourselves the way that that we should, Father God. Help us see ourselves not as strong, not as capable. Uh, Let us see ourselves as sheep. Lord, that need a shepherd. Let us see ourselves as servants who need a Lord, Father God. Let us see ourselves um, as captives who need a master and as as serfs who need a king. And I'm asking you right now, Father God, please open the eyes of our heart. Uh, Let us see your glory all over again, Father God. Let us see the joy in serving you. Let us see the value in a life submitted totally to you, Father God. And I pray that you would bring us to repentance where repentance is needed. I'm asking you, God, to stir affection in our hearts for Christ tonight. And Lord, I just pray that in everything that we say and do and think, all night over this campus that you would be glorified, Father, that you'd have your way in our life. That's what we need and that's what you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Father. Amen. James four seventeen says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. Um, just to get right into it, I think that too often, um, and I'm, I'm going to speak in the first person tonight, and I hope that that may make a dent. I hope that maybe kind of doesn't make it something that we just pass over. But um, I think too often I fall into the mindset or the lie uh, that I'm doing good enough in my Christian walk. And I think we all do that, but I know I do that. Um, I think that's because I'm not... I, I think that because... Um, I'm not committing the same sins that maybe I once committed. You know what I'm talking about? Those really bad sins that you used to commit maybe before you came to Christ or those really dirty, ugly sins that you committed before God brought you to a deeper repentance. And because I'm not committing those sins anymore, then I think I'm doing okay. And all of a sudden, as I adopt that mindset, I stop seeing how things that I and everyone else would see as normal those things are really the fruits of a deeper sin issue that I still have. Think about that a minute. We're going to talk about the things that we all do, things that I do and you do, that everybody in the world would see at face value, say, no, those things are okay, those things are normal things. And in a way that's right, those things may really be the fruits of a deeper sin issue in our lives. And we have to evaluate that. In James 4, verse 17 is seated in the context of a warning against just ignoring Jesus' lordship. If you read verses 13 through 15, you see this. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year uh, there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills. We will live and do this or do that. This is a warning against my living and your living in such a way that I even do ordinary things without considering Jesus' ownership over my life. How many of us are guilty of that? I bet all of us if we really look at it very closely. For instance, I shouldn't do something as ordinary as making a business decision or even a simple financial decision without asking Christ what He wants me to do first. I shouldn't do something as ordinary as choosing uh, my entertainment without 
knowing what His will is first. I should always think of Him first and find out what would make Him the happiest. But I don't think we do that all the time. I think what I fall into doing, what you fall into doing, is so many times we say, well, this isn't sinful, so it's okay. It's good enough. It's not bad, so it's okay. And that's a very dangerous lie. That's a very slippery slope that we fall into. And unfortunately, even though I know that I should be seeking His will in every little facet of my life and every little moment of my day and finding out what makes my Lord happiest and what would be the most loving action toward Him, unfortunately, I don't do that all the time. I've got certain facets of my life that I too often just make a decision about without really asking God what He wants me to do. And a lot of us might be the same way. Maybe we have sections of our day that we kind of, we don't put a stamp on it and say, well, this is mine and we reserve it and we just say a line in the sand, we're not going to give this to Christ. That's not what we're doing, but by practice, that's what we do. A lot of us that we work a hard job, we get home and we maybe we put kids to bed or maybe, you know, we're kind of like kids wanting to go to bed. And by the time we sit in the recliner or whatever, we prop our feet up, we just, we kind of shut everything down and we decide, okay, now I'm going to coast through the rest of the evening. That's wrong. I'm not saying the relaxation's wrong. I'm saying that attitude of, okay, at this point, I'm shutting it down for the day and I'm not going to intentionally seek God's will for this moment right here. What I'm really saying is this is mine, not Christ's. We may not intentionally do that, but we still do it nonetheless. It's too easy for me to do that. The reason this is so easy and I'm so comfortable with it is because of my pride. You know, to be honest, I want so badly, in my wicked heart, I want so badly to be more spiritual. It's so easy for me to so badly want to be superior to others. Therefore, it's easy for me to overlook my failure to seek a loving action toward Christ in every single instance. Because we want to be superior and because we want to be spiritually above, it's real easy for us to not, just not go through the hard work of analyzing every little decision we make, right? If we don't blow it too bad that day, we like to skate through and say, well, I didn't do anything too bad. I've got everything okay. Now I can shut it down and do whatever makes me comfortable. And it's a good day and I don't have anything to feel all that bad about. That's pride. Those may be the moments where we should examine ourselves the most and cut ourselves the least slack. I want so badly to be comfortable. And I want things to be so easy. And I don't want to give up some things in my life. Now these aren't blatantly sinful things that I'm referring to. But they may not fit the lifestyle of loving God like I should and enjoying Him above all else. Even though these things may not seem sinful, they may compete with my affections for Jesus. They may blur my vision of how much better He is than everything else. They may call me to settle, and when I do that, I don't bring Him glory that He deserves, and I miss out on joy. It's a, it's a deadly lie that we buy into when we think that we're doing good enough. Jesus deserves that I love Him and that you love Him actively above everything else. That's the sole reason why we can't afford to love ourselves more than we love Him at any point in time. Again... James 4 said, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. This means that my sins of omission 
are always going to lead to more sins of commission. Omission being sins of things that I should have done that I just didn't do. I just overlooked. I just ignored. Those, all, those are never neutral. Those always lead to sins that take the form of doing things we know we shouldn't do. It always works that way. Sin's never in a neutral gear. It's always in a progressive, you know, forward gear in our lives. This is how it plays out in, in my life, I think. God commands me saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he also says this, he says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Again, there's no neutral ground. Whenever I just make a decision to do something, even something that seems okay, without even considering Jesus' feelings first, regardless of how small that decision may seem, then I'm choosing myself over Jesus. That's really what I'm doing. When I tend to ignore Him and pay only attention to myself, I'm choosing to love me and not love Him. I'm not doing what I know to do. Love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is a sin of omission. And this begins a pattern of simply ignoring Christ. And this only grows into a deeper sin problem. When I strengthen the habit of choosing to ignore Jesus by just doing things that are okay and not intentionally loving Him by seeking His will, then I set myself up for suffering. And it's, it becomes easy to slip into greater sins of commission. An example I'd point you to would be King David. King David, in his greatest fall in the sin, when he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then premeditated murder of her husband Uriah, where did it all start? Well, we may not be able to track back where it all started, but in that scenario, we see that he was doing something that if we just took it and set it uh, isolated under glass by itself, that decision, it would look okay. He stayed home and rested in his palace. That doesn't seem like a bad thing, does it? How many of us would say staying home and resting is always a blatantly sinful thing? Nobody. But he didn't seek the Lord's will, apparently. He decided this on his own. He wasn't where his duty had called him to. He made a personal decision. He stayed home. And it started a domino effect that led to the greatest fall of his entire life. If that happened to David, the man after God's own heart, how can I dare stand here and say it would never happen to me that way? How can you sit there and say it would never happen to you that way? I think to do that would be very foolish on my part. Just like that happened to David, that could happen to us. And so will my decisions to only consult myself and ignore Jesus lead to sin. This leads to frustration. This leads to loss of intimacy with God. And this leads to loss of joy. I don't know if this is impacting you or not, but I hope it's not too harsh. I'm not saying it to be harsh. I'm saying it because I love you and I care about you. I know that when we do this, I know in my life when this has happened, it's always led to frustration. It's always led to lack of assurance. It's always led to lack of intimacy with God. It's always led to forfeiting joy that I should have had. Have you ever had a time where you were real close to God? You were feeling, let's say, in the zone, so to speak, with Jesus, you're intimate, and all of a sudden you made one decision that may not have been blatantly sinful, but it was totally ignoring of Christ, and all of a sudden everything seemed to dry up on you real quick? If you've lived long enough in Christ, I bet you've done that before, and you regretted that decision. 
It's not that you decided to go out and do drugs and shoot somebody. It's that you decided to do something that you didn't even consult Christ about and it ended up robbing you of joy and intimacy and affection for Christ that you were feeling and enjoying at the time. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to me. Christ doesn't want that to happen to us. So we have to talk about why that happens. And I think the reason it happens so often is because it's so subtle whenever it starts. It starts with just simple, innocent decisions that we didn't submit to Christ. You and I have to intentionally focus on seeking Jesus' will on every decision. And I can't let myself simply slip gently into ignoring my Lord. And you shouldn't let yourself just gently slip into ignoring Christ either. Listening and obeying our King, loving Him through our obedience is our only real path to joy. There is no other path. It's the only one He gives. Jesus commands that you and I obey and abide in His love. And He says it this way in John chapter 15. He says, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you. Why? That My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How do we not forfeit joy? How do we not uh, lead ourselves into frustration and all sorts of other despondent situations. We do it by making sure that we never cut ourselves too much slack. We do it by always submitting every thought, every word, every decision, regardless of how innocent or insignificant that may seem, to the one whom we claim to be the owner of every second and every single uh, ounce of energy that we have in our lives. Amen? Biblically, that's what safeguards us from that from a very terrible situation. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that tonight you are glorified in this, and I pray that you'll be glorified in everything that we say and do here, Lord. Um, as Brother Tony comes and, and, and shares with, with uh, the older crowd, as Brother Matt comes and shares with the youth, and uh, I believe Brother Chad and, and, and others are going to share with, uh, with, our, with our children tonight. Father, I pray that you'd give everybody that's going to teach and preach tonight um, the, the gift of prophecy tonight. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you'd challenge us. Father God, I pray that you would just direct us, that you would lead us by your word, Father God. Make it clear to us exactly what you want us to change and what you want us to take on and how you want to to chisel our life further into being more and more Christ-like. Uh, God, we need it. But more importantly, your son Jesus deserves that his body, his bride, um, look more and more like him. He's perfect. He doesn't deserve to settle for less, Father God. Please sanctify us tonight by your word. Sanctify us tonight in your truth. Your word is truth. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.